Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. Welcome back. Um, I want to. I want to. I'm a. I want to apologize first. We're going to get into a couple of a uh, couple of different sections. Our first section, though, was a Q and A. Uh, we asked you guys to submit some questions. We got a couple good ones, and so we're going to go ahead and discuss those. We wanted to do this section live, and we're going to do it live uh, moving forward. So from from now on, on uh, usually on Saturdays or Sundays, we'll let you know. But check us out on Facebook Live, and you can actually interact um, with the podcast as it's being recorded. This week we couldn't do it. I had some issues that could not be overcome, unfortunately. So we will we will just answer your guys' questions that we got, and we'll um, we'll just apologize for not being able to do it live this week. Uh, so with that, let's get into our co-hosts first, all the way down there in Littleton. It's Mr. Dan Lewis. Dan, what's up, buddy? Oh, just catching up on some Game of Thrones. Yes. Are you going to be, are you going to be fully caught up uh, by tonight's episode? I'm currently on season six, episode nine. So I, I think oh. by next week, I'll be fully caught up. Okay, I'm not going to give you any spoilers. All I'm going to say is this is season six, episode ten. Is one of my favorite of all time. So okay, it is. It is a good one. Uh, also, I don't know if he's a Game of Thrones fan or not. But also joining us all the way from Philadelphia is Mr. Jeremy Poli. Jeremy, what's going on, buddy? Hey, um, yeah. So I am completely jealous of Dan. I think anybody listening would be too, because I didn't really truly get into Game of Thrones. I watched a few episodes at the start, fell off. And I jumped in, like, the end of the third season, so I was able to watch, like, almost almost three full seasons, and I'm just so jealous of Dan being able to watch, like, just burn through all of these incredible episodes. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here in Philadelphia being jealous, but um, I'll just take a picture of me with a cheesesteak and send it to you. There you, yeah, go. There you that, go. That is the retribution. That is good retribution. All right. Well, um, so yeah, we'll get in. I want to do that Q&A section still. Um, and then a couple other topics I want to get into. I want to get into the the schedule. The full schedule got released. 
uh, early in the week. I haven't had a chance to talk about that, so we'll break that down. Um, we'll get back to kind of what we've been doing here in these slow summer months, which is kind of reviewing one player uh, on the roster and what we hope they might do this season, what it would mean if they really, really excel. This week we'll do we'll do the the, uh, the linchpin of the entire team. We'll, we'll get into Nikola Jokic um, and what we hope he can he can accomplish this year. And then finally, something I just thought was really cool: Darrell Arthur was named the NBA Player Association Teammate of the Year. Um, so shout out to DA. We'll talk a little bit about him, his role on the team, and how important it is. Um, and then that'll be our show. I'm uh, hope we might be a little bit a little bit quicker on this one than we have on some of our other shows, but hey. I think, uh, if anything, we usually go too long, so it'll be all right. Um, all right, so question and answers. So, like I said, one more time to um, reiterate, we're going to start doing this stuff live so you guys can actually um, ask us questions on our Facebook Live thread, and, and we'll answer them right then and there. This week, like I said, we just had some issues, so we didn't do it. But that is um, that is what we're going to do. We did get a couple of questions submitted this week, however, so we'll, we'll, I want to break into those. Our first one, this is uh, this one's actually been kind of going around the the radio sports radio sphere around Denver. Um, the Denver Broncos, of course, are getting ready to start. They uh, they will they got two more preseason games after last night. So we're recording this on Sunday, and their season with the way the NBA season now has been pushed forward a week. Uh, this question that has been thrown out, we got thrown to us by Jordan Scott, also been echoed by uh, our editor, Adam Mares. Who will get to four wins first, the Denver Nuggets or the Denver Broncos? Dan, I know you've been looking at the schedule, so I want to go to you first. Uh, kind of break it down for us a little bit, but then, and then let us know what you think. <clears throat> so uh, the Broncos schedule, they start September 11th, Chargers at Broncos, then the Cowboys come to Denver. Broncos go on the road, play the Buffalo Bills. Then they come back to Denver to play the Raiders. Broncos have a bye week in week five. Week six, the Giants come to Denver. And then the Broncos hit the road the next two weeks for the Chargers and the Chiefs. That takes us up to October 30th. And then for the Nuggets, by October 30th, they'll have played eight games. So that's you know seven games for the Broncos, eight games for the Nuggets. And to answer your question of which team I think gets to four wins first... I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets. Who do the Nuggets? Who do the Nuggets have? Because don't they? I mean, they've got a pretty tough get start um, as well. I think they got a, quite a few road games. In their well, so they get they get Sacramento as their home. They, who do they, who do they open up against this year? They start against the Utah Jazz on the 18th, and then they play on the road on the right. road, and then they play the Kings and the Wizards at home. Then they go on the road for the next four games to play Charlotte, the Atlanta Hawks, the Brooklyn Nets, and the New York Knicks. So of those eight, I think the Nuggets could go four and four pretty pretty easily. They they only yeah, have right. one back I mean, to back. Uh, they only have two home games, but the teams that they play on the road, Atlanta, Brooklyn, the Knicks, and the, the Brooklyn Knicks is a back to back, but like. You can just take a subway train to get from Madison Square Garden to. Yeah, the but yeah, how? But you got to worry. Will the city of New York beat them <laughs> on one of those games? Uh, well, that, uh, Jamal Murray's under twenty-one, so I think we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's that's the new Nugget strategy. That's why we have so many young players. We keep them out of the clubs that way. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, what about you, man? What do you think? Um, so I'm going to go with the opposite choice. I'm going with the Broncos here. 
Um, rather than kind of breaking it down like win loss win loss, um, I think there's it's worthwhile to go into percentage here. Uh, I think the Cowboys game is going to be likely a loss, but that Raiders game, you know, I, I, I that's really questionable. If you were to force me to make it a win loss, I'd say the Raiders are going to win it. But if all of a sudden we're talking about, right. well, the Raiders have a 60% chance to win it, maybe the Broncos have a 40% chance to win it, then that takes us up to October 22nd, which would be potentially the fourth win or third win, depending on where they're at. And with at the Chargers, um, I think, again, the Broncos will have a good chance to win this game. Um, so I just I, I see I see them beating the Chargers for the opener. I see them beating the Bills and the Giants. Um, <laughs> I just have to uh, the, the Giants when they broke Joe Montana's back all those years ago, growing up as a little boy in San Francisco, I have just cursed <laughs> them ever since. So anytime they show up on a schedule, I always expect them to go zero and sixteen every single year. So <laughs> nice, nice. So between the Raiders and the Chargers, um, I think when you're working with percentages here, I, I, I see enough for them to, to get their fourth win on October 22nd. And at that point, the Nuggets have only even played two games. So um, yeah, there you go. Broncos to four wins. You know what, Jeremy? I, I would agree with you as well. I think the Broncos get it because here's the other thing. The, uh, Ezekiel Elliott will obviously, in all likelihood, will be out for that game, unless there's a major about face on his suspension, which I don't think will happen. We haven't seen that much in the NFL. So um, uh, because of that, I think the Broncos probably get that game against the Cowboys. I think they can beat the Chargers twice in there, uh, and then they can either get that Bills game. Uh, maybe maybe they steal one against the Raiders, though they probably lose that one. What's the other, what's the other game in there that I'm missing? Giants. The Giants. Oh, yeah, or the Giants game. That Giants game, is, since it's at home, that's probably a good – a good shot for them. So I'm with you. I think the Broncos get it done. I, I'll say this, though, if we're really trying to make some comparisons here and get to the underlying theme of the question, um, I think the Nuggets will be a heck of a lot more entertaining to watch this year. That's that's for sure. <laughs> After what I saw from, from the Broncos preseason last night. Um, all right. Well, that's about as much as I want to talk about the Broncos on, on our <laughs> Nuggets podcast. So let's um, let's move into the next question. Let me pull it up here. So really just quickly. I mean, you'll put you'll put in the notes that we talked about the the Broncos or Nuggets first of four wins. So for everybody that skipped over that, welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast. We're going to talk about some Nuggets stuff <laughs> now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I skipped over pretty much the entire intro, didn't I? I went, went straight through. Um, that's okay. It's okay. Everybody knows we're at, we're we're here at DenverStiffs.com. So if you if, if you're not if you're not here for Nuggets talk, then well, I don't know what you're doing. Um, so uh, Nate C, <laughs> who is at NRC Nuggets fan, uh, I wonder where NRC is, but um, maybe that's his initials. Uh, he uh, wanted to know what we should expect to see from Wacho and what does he need to improve on. I'll, I'll bust into this one first. What, what Wacho, in my eyes, needs to improve on because of the way this roster is constructed, and this is good because it's going to roll into our, our third and final question that we got this week, um, but Wacho has got to be able to create more, to me, um, from the perimeter with the ball in his hands because they're going to ask him to play small forward this season more so than they would have before because they had Danilo Gallinari. Gallo's gone. Wancho's kind of got to fit that role. Wancho's not not quite as mobile 
um, or as quick to the basket as Gallo was, not quite as good of a ball handler as, as Gallo was. Uh, and so he's going to have to improve there if he's going to fit that role. As a, as a power forward, I think he's fine as a stretch forward. But if he's going to play small forward, that's where I would see he needs to improve. Jeremy, what do you think? Where does he need to improve? What are you looking for him or for from him this season? Yeah, I'll start off by, by agreeing with you there. Um, and you brought up the small forward situation. I think uh, another way of looking at this question is looking at, to me, the bigger question is, is he our future of of a three or a four? Um, I've been right. hearing a lot of back and forth about that. And and to me, I, I really do see the way he shoots. Um, to me, I, I really see him coming from an age of Danilo Gallinari, of being this, this tall um, outside shooter. I really see him filling a great role as a three. And... Right. And that means exactly kind of what you were talking about with the ability to um, to make plays happen. I would love to see this guy um, start getting into the paint, honestly, with some cutting. Um, you know, if you remember with Melo, uh, when he came came into the league, he was a great shooter. And that was one of the things Charles Barkley was always saying about him. This guy is possibly the greatest shooter in the league but for all of us Nuggets fans, what we were waiting for and what he finally started doing years into his career was really working his way into the paint because we'd see him settle for these 16-footers when he could have made that easily an 8-footer or a layup or a dunk right. just by, by willing to, <laughs> I hate to say it, sacrifice his body. So I really want to see um, see Juan work that game in. Um Another thing that I want to point out, and we saw it last year, and we actually saw it in this preseason too, is he kind of seems like the guy who, um, <laughs> like I imagine if I'm, if if I'm in the stands, I always picture this as a kid at my brother's high school basketball games, um, older brother, where they'd say like, oh no, we've got too many injuries, we need somebody to play for us, and then I go out on the court, a little you know six year old, and I just I would be scared to be out there playing it like if i get the ball i'm just going to pass it or i'm going to shoot it and i feel like in some way Wancho coming into this league a lot of his game was either like i'm going to pass it or i'm going to shoot it like right. uh, like he goes from you know playing with uh with some smaller teams in spain to being shoved into a game and saying okay you're on lebron james on defense and then we need you to do this on offense and right. we saw in the preseason too where malik beasley um um it, I'm not disparaging him in any way. It was the Malik Beasley show. And yeah, Wancho Malik's got no def- problem shooting it. That's, that's for sure. Right, <laughs> exactly. But but you know, Wancho seems, um, I just see this kind of starstruck, um, maybe that's the wrong terminology for it, but I'd love to see him develop um, a responsibility, a confidence, um, to, right. to see him play like he's, won, won, like he's earned it and like he deserves right. it. What I think you're getting at is, is he's very passive um, within the system Correct. of the offense right now. Like he's not the type of guy to demand the ball and then want to take it ISO um, and, and maybe even force up a tough shot. Like if Wancho uh, doesn't think he's got a great look, he's probably you're right. He's he's going to pass it up, which can, which is a good thing. But I think at some point, um, especially if he's going to be playing that kind of backup small forward position, you've got it. He's got to be a little more aggressive. Uh, to fill that role, especially if because if he's coming off the bench, his chances to be playing with Jokic will, or his time with Jokic will be less. So they need other people to initiate that offense 
whether it was Gallo or Wilson Chandler filling that backup small forward role last season, both of those guys were very good at that. That's something that Wancho would have to fill in as well. Dan, what do you think about Wancho this season? I mean, I think it's it's probably fair to, to hope, or you would think if he can find minutes, that he should be ready to be in the rotation. But with with kind of the log jam of forwards, is Wancho a guy who's going to get regular minutes this season in your eyes? Yeah, I, I'm i just trying to... This is going to be kind of a longer answer, but I'm trying to think of just Wancho's role on the team, and I... You know, he he's not the same player as Danilo Gallinari. So saying like right. we want him to step into Danilo Gallinari's shoes, like that's we want him to step into his minutes, but we don't necessarily have the same he won't necessarily have the same role as Danilo Gallinari had because they had different strengths right. in things. And the offense has been was different with Danilo Gallinari than it would will be with Juancho Hergan and Gomez because Danilo didn't really spend a lot of time playing with Jokic, especially throughout his Nuggets career. And so with the way the Nuggets offense is kind of developed and look projects with Nikola Jokic as the primary playmaker, I don't think that we need Wancho to be a guy that dribbles and attacks the rim as often as Gallo did. Because with Gallo, you know, he was for the bulk of his career it was him and Ty Lawson. And yep. the centers were just setting screens. Well, now the center has the ball and you're gonna see like last season we saw a lot more of like point guards setting screens and small forward setting screens, you know, these creating these mismatches because Jokic has the ball and they pull the center away from the hoop. So I don't think we need, I don't think Wancho's role should be as much of a attack off the dribble. I think his ability to shoot extremely well from a three-point range um, and to rebound is going to be a strength. And while he's not quite as tall as Gallo, um, Wancho is listed 6'9", 230 pounds, and Gallo was 6'10", 225 so i mean we're we're squabbling over like an inch of difference in height and wancho is a little bit more stout so i think that if we can think of wancho more as like on offense as someone that can set like set good screens off ball and it it won't be him setting screens on like in the pick and roll you know like as a a power forward but as a, a six nine small forward he can set screens on guards and then help free up jamal murray or gary harris like that, that puts him at a real size yeah. advantage because he's so much bigger than these guards that he's going to be screening. Um, and then if if his guy sags off of him, he'll be wide open and he can shoot the ball well. Um, so I think that's kind of the role we can see him in. And I also think with with the lineups that he'll play in as the backup small forward, like we're going to be seeing him play some minutes with Jokic, some minutes with Millsap, um, I think we're going to see him either with Jameer Nelson or Emmanuel Moutier. Um, and either way, his ability to shoot will be good there. And also, yeah, I think, it'll help either one I think he'll guys, probably... Sure. I don't think that... Uh, I, I'm going into the season projecting as Trey Lyles, the backup's power forward, not Kenneth Freed. Uh, I just have a feeling that Freed won't be around, so it won't be an issue. Right. And if you put Trey Lyles there, that's another guy that can shoot 35 yep. 37% from three. So you have two forwards that are both pretty mobile and tall and that can help space the floor for someone like Emmanuel Moutier who can dribble drive and then kick out. And I think, you know, a lineup with like Emmanuel Moutier, um, Gary Harris, or like Will uh, Will Barton, Wancho, Trey Lyles, and then Mason Plumlee Plumlee. or Jokic or Millsap, one of those three as, as the center. I think that Wancho is going to fit really well in those lineups, and he may not he may not have a high usage, 
but I think that he'll be very efficient when he's on the floor. Man, I tell you what, you think about a lineup with Wancho, um, even if you get some things, if you get Moutier, um, say Barton, or just even even if you're getting your – you think about getting these different matches uh, or, or lineup combinations, you think about it like a Moutier, uh, Harris, Wancho, Millsap, Plumley. you know, as they're kind of integrating from, from the starters to the bench. That's actually an impressive, pretty impressive defensive lineup, and you've still got – like I said, because Millsap's another guy. He can shoot, too. You know, he can stretch out the floor. So Right. Well, and I'm, think, I'm thinking just like a pure second unit of Moutier, Barton, Wancho, right, Trey okay. Lyles, Even and Mike Plumley. That gives you two guards that can, you know, dribble and attack the basket. Well, I mean, right. uh, let's avoid criticisms of Moutier. Let's just project and think he's going to be dribbling well and he can do things well. <laughs> he can attack the basket, right. whether he can finish it <laughs> at the basket. Uh, but then, you know, Plumley is a great screen setter. And then you have two guys that they can stick yeah. in the corner, and they're going to be like a threat to shoot forty percent from there. Like that's, I mean, obviously that's not like right. and if an you, elite second unit, but I don't think that's anything to be ashamed about. Like I think like that's pretty league average. I if think not it's pretty above I, average second unit. Yeah, I would say I definitely say it's above average. And the other thing too that you got there is you got Barton, who's you know if, if you get stuck and and you can't get anything to work, you at least know you can just give it to him, and he'll at least. You know, you've got a guy who's got some isolation capability as well. He's so. going to get a shot up. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One way or another. Um, it will go up. That that leads, though, into our final question, uh, which came which came from Joe Laughlin. Joe, La- Joe Laughing at – or at Joe Laughing on Twitter. Uh, he asks, are the Nuggets really just going to roll out Will Barton as the backup small forward? And I think – Kind of what we were saying there is that probably Wancho is gonna gonna get some minutes, but look, Will Barton's gonna play some some small forward and and some smaller lineups. They they did that last year. I think they'll do it again. I I do I do have concerns. If you're asking me where my biggest concern about depth is right now on this roster, it would be at that small forward position. Because man, if you lose just one of them, one of Barton, Wancho, or Chandler, suddenly you are uh, you're in some some tough spots as far as what you're going to do. I, Suddenly Malik, a guy maybe like Malik Beasley is going to start getting minutes. Uh, you might have to play a guy like a Darrell Arthur or even a Trey Lyle, someone like that, out of position. Um, Can't believe you don't believe in Torrey so, Craig. Say what? <laughs> Can't believe you don't believe in Torrey Craig. And Torrey, Torrey oh, That's what it'll be. That is Because you always see that, right? They always, every coach always wants to play that grindy, you know, into the bench guy. Um, to fill those minutes when somebody gets injured. Uh, that being said, Torrey Craig can only get four, what, 45 games up at the up at the NBA level. So, hey, Sh- sure Shabazz, Shabazz Muhammad still out there on the market. Shabazz Muhammad <laughs> still out there. Dan is going to beat that drum. Um, Jeremy, how concerned are you about the uh, small forward depth? So, I like last season. Towards the end of last season, I think we saw. Um, we saw Jamal Murray kind of fill this role of first guard off the bench, whether it was the point guard um, that needed replacing or the shooting guard. Um, I, and so with Juan, I kind of figure him to to play that for the forward. Um, I think yeah. we're going to be seeing Millsap playing uh, well a lot less minutes than he did with, in Atlanta. I think that's very clear. But I see definitely Millsap coming off the floor um, early, regularly, and and I wouldn't be surprised to see Hernan Gomez either go in um, as the first forward, either at power forward or at small forward, 
But I think he's absolutely the guy who's going to be getting any sort of... If he's not in the game at power forward, he's going to be getting the minutes at small forward over Barton. Um, okay. That that would that would be my expectation um, other than matchups. Uh, one thing that you do have with Will Barton is he is very... What's the word? He is very um, polarizing in his play style. So he's extremely good at some things and extremely bad at other things. And that can actually be a very useful component on a team. And I think at this point, with as many lineups as we had last season, I would expect Coach Malone to know kind of exactly how to use Will Barton, where depending on who they have out there, he could insert. He clearly sees Will Barton as somebody who can get some um, um, advantage to the to the roster to the the people playing on the floor. But um, but I I th- I think we're gonna see a lot of Wancho at, at the three, um, and I don't think we're gonna see, be seen as much Barton. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. I think uh, I think it's Wancho. At least I think they're gonna start out trying with Wancho. Look, we know the Nuggets saw. Uh, the Nuggets will try things early on, and they will eventually go away from them if they don't work. We've seen that. So, um, but I, I agree. I think they're gonna they're gonna give Wancho the first shot at it, and then and then if it doesn't work out, then yeah, then we'll probably see a lot of Will Barton uh, at the backup three. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll shift gears. Uh, thanks to the th- those three guys, to Mr. Jordan Scott, um, Joe Joe Laughlin, and Nate C. Thank you guys for your questions. Appreciate that. Appreciate appreciate guys appreciate you guys creating content for our show. That's that was really my goal with the segment. <laughs> um, all right, so the the Nuggets schedule that came down this week, earlier this week, and uh, I mean there's a lot to digest. Obviously, there's there's 82 games, um, so we're not going to go through all of them. But um, let me I'll go. Oh, let me ask you first, Dan. Uh, if there was one game you wanted to, you're looking at the most, which it which is it? Oh, uh, well, I'm excited for the first game against Portland, well, November 13th. The first game um, and then towards the end of the season, April 9th against Portland and the last game of the season against Minnesota. Um, the, the whole month of April has a bunch of really good games and I, I think the Nuggets will probably be in playoff contention. So it, it, I think it'll be exciting to watch those games knowing that these games like really could make a difference and um, especially games against Portland, I feel like has jumped to be our number one rival um, right in in the last year. Right, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent I think that Portland game um, right there at the end is um, is the game that uh, just because I mean how it happened last season, right? That was that was the most important game. Uh, I, I would expect it to be very similar again this year. Um, another one that I'm looking forward to is that Milwaukee game. Just a few, maybe a week before that, just because always it's always fun to get to see Giannis in town and it's just that kind of like kicks off this run this major final push mm-hmm. uh, to of the of the season. Jeremy, what about you? What game are you looking forward to? That's interesting. I kind of overlooked that Milwaukee game, but you're completely right. This is the meat to me of our season. When the schedule came out, I was I was get way more exp- excited than I expected to be. Um the end of our season is gonna feel like the conclusion to a game of thrones season there's so much going on here we got so shafted in this away um seven games in a row that that were away to almost close out our season and then we come back and 
face Milwaukee. I really hope that's a slaughter. Like, yeah, I do love watching Giannis. That's its own thing. But um, I hope we are, we're so sick and fed up of this away game situation, which honestly could could be pretty rough on us. Um, that to me, everything builds up to the April 5th home game against the, the Timberwolves. Because at that point, we have three games left in the season. So there's still... There's going to be that that hope still going on as far as whether we're vying for the last playoff spot or for possibly even the same playoff spot that the Timberwolves are going for. Um, there's still going to be that feeling that, okay, this isn't the last game of the season, but this is maybe the most meaningful as far as our playoff position. And right. another thing is I have a feeling uh, – well, it's more than a feeling. Like everybody else is on to this as well. I'm not a – detective with this one the timberwolves and the nuggets are going to have quite the next decade together and mm -hmm. this is kind of the start the wolves had an awful season last year so nobody was really talking about them but it's very clear they're going to be extremely good for a very long time and i feel the same way about the nuggets so this could be right. extremely interesting um how how this positions us and i am so excited for this home game on TNT shortly after our road trip is over and we're feeling bad about losing um, where we just really see who we are and, and kind of what our future is. Right. Yeah. I'm, I, you bring up a great point there about Minnesota because I'm with you on that one. I think they, they, them and the Blazers both really have this chance to make some great rivalries um, with the Nuggets. And I think for, for many years to come, we're going to start looking at those games every year. When we look at the schedule and comes out, we're going to be picking out, okay, when, when are we playing Minnesota? When are we playing Portland right at the end? Um, and then hopefully, you know, as the teams develop, you know, you start to look at them um, as, as kind of looking at up there with, uh, you know, hopefully with the, the Warriors and that as well. Mm -hmm. Those are the teams that they're trying to catch. Um, it's exciting, though, because the Nuggets, we, they haven't had any real true rivals really ever. Um, and I think they've got, they've got a great chance with, with Portland and with Minnesota um, right there with them in terms of talent. Dan, let me ask you this. If you're looking at the schedule, where do you think is the, the chance the Nuggets could get tripped up the most? Where's their, their roughest stretch? Is it that, that seven-game road trip that, that Jeremy's talking about? Oh, I I think it definitely is going to be that. I mean, they're you're fatigued because it, you know, it's been six weeks since the All-Star break. Um, and then you, you have to go, you know, and it's it's actually like eight games out of nine that are on the road. So you go to Los Angeles and come back to Denver, and then you fly to Memphis, go southeast to Miami, all the way up to the Great Lakes to play Chicago, back down to Washington, quick flight to Philadelphia, go north of the border on a back-to-back -to, -back to play the Raptors, and then from fly from there down to Oklahoma City. Uh, and then you have to come back, and you get one day off, and then you have to play the Bucks Like... That's just a really brutal 10-game cool. schedule. And that first road game is against the Lakers on NBA TV. So, um, you know, it's it, that's just a really tough stretch. And I, if the Nuggets don't have, like, 40 wins, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to toss out that, like, if they don't have, like, about 40 wins going into that, like, they may not make the playoffs. <laughs> Cause, right. Yeah. You're basically because you're thinking that, that those ten games, you're kind of hoping they go, you know, they go um, five hundred, right? And, and then maybe then they would get to about forty-five. Yeah, well, and then they have six games to finish. But like, 
they either have to hit 40 wins on the road trip or be at 40 wins by the time they start. And I think, you know, if they're at like 35 wins and they start that, it's like, oh man, like (laughs) they're going to have to play really well to be able to get to like at least 42. Cause I don't, I think you're going to need at least like 45 wins to make the playoffs in the West. Right. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't disagree. Um, let's let's do this. Uh, let me ask you this, or I'll ask you. I guess first, Jeremy, if you were going to put a number, I, so I went through the schedule. I was amazed. I wrote this article, and nobody and I I kind of I went through the schedule game by game. It was like, yeah, that'd probably be a win. That'd probably be a loss. You know, no no science really behind it. Just just feel. Um, and I came out to forty two wins, and I wrote this article about it, and nobody nobody seemed to catch it. It like slipped through the cracks. Cause I thought people were going to kill me for it because I think a lot of people are expecting the Nuggets to do better. Um, than that, but the problem is, is the Western Conference is just it's just better all around, and so you try and figure some of these teams uh, that, that the Nuggets might have already normally you would think they would beat, but like a team like a Minnesota or a team like an Oklahoma City, those guys are definitely no cakewalks at all, uh, and, and so it's hard for me to figure out how they can get. May I mean maybe they get up to forty five, but I I think you're, I'm with you there. I don't think it's going to be much more than that, and they're going to be right there um, on the cusp of making the playoffs. Jeremy, what about you? How many wins do you think the, the Nuggets are going to get this season? Um, yeah, first of all, uh, I openly admit that I sink your article. I am moving <laughs> against you and allied with Dan's little finger to uh, overthrow you. <laughs> Fair enough. But, uh, no, yeah, that's a shame. It was a great article, and it, and it like, really fun. I mean, I would have, I wanted to do that, to, to look through the schedule and size everything up and to have somebody else's thoughts there. Um, really enjoyed that. So, um, I mean, to, to maybe even start from that, that kind of last um, point about the road trip, that right. was the heart. That was, for me, I, I have us going one and six um, out of those Ooh. games. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and it was everything that Dan was saying. If You know, if we don't have 40 wins going into that, we're, we're not going to be finding wins there. So, right. but I, <laughs> I am over-optimistic. I have us... To answer your question directly, I have us at 46 wins for this season. All right. And um, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I mean, we can make an entire you know hour-long podcast just about uh, about the season. Um, I would just I would sum it up as um, one of the things that I said before, and I'm, I'm starting to to go away from it, but. Um, I think we match up well against Golden State. Um, I realize they're the king. Yeah, changed like, everything. <laughs> but but I I think we're we're the the last last year. I was thinking we were the last eight seed they would have wanted to go up against, and and I do have you know a a win in there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was writing my own like Game of Thrones dramatic storyline. That seems to be the theme that I'm creating for this podcast. But, um, <laughs> Jeremy's got it's Sunday. Jeremy's got Game of Thrones <laughs> on the brain. Or, or we, I, I, I want to steal a home game from him, and we've done it before, and I'm not scared to do it again. Yep. So, um, yeah, I have us at 46 wins, and, and just that entire away trip is gonna kind of determine um, where we really do end up at. But heading into it. I am highly, highly positive, and I think it could be good for a mental state to, to be beat up before the playoffs. Um, if if we're beat up and then we have six games back where we reclaim kind of our, kind of our gain confidence. gain that momentum back, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really enthused at how this could work out. I, w- nice. I wanted to bring up right. another schedule quirk, too. 
One of my All one right. of my favorite things about the Nuggets schedule is that they have five road games in November, and then in December they have five home games. So, like, hopefully they can get off to a pretty good start to the season. And you're like, right. yeah, feeling great about them, and then in December, like, Nuggets fans here in Denver will only be able to see them play like at Pepsi Center five times, which is just like. Amazing that it's which is crazy. Right? So yeah, they, it, it, once again they get that they get that road heavy um, start to the year. They, it's it's been a couple years in a row now that the Nuggets. It always seems like they get a lot of road games right out of the gate and into December. Um, Dan, so what do you what do you think? Forty five, forty six wins somewhere around there, like Jeremy has on it. Um, I mean, Ryan Blackburn and I are probably going to come out with like a full uh, win loss prediction column later on before the season starts. Um, so I'll hold my like official prediction until then, but just uh, mm-hmm. my off the gut prediction right now, I, I'm going to say like 44 wins. All right, all right. So 146, 144, 142. Perfect. We are. Uh, Adam Adam probably has us nice, at like 40. Nice <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, last year, last year it was me uh, in our in our beginning of season predictions. I was the most pessimistic. I think I had them at thirty seven, um, and I, I proved to be too pessimistic. So, so, so don't. I guess don't pay attention to me saying forty two wins is, is the story of a, Ryan and I both there. predicted forty wins last year for the Nuggets, and we turned out to hit that right on the head. So, we'll see how right, we can do this year. Right. Dan, Dan, guys, feel free to call Dan at one nine hundred. My debts. <laughs> <laughs> he can. He will help you make some money. Um, okay, we'll tell you what. We will go ahead. We'll take a break, and then when we come back, we will get into Nikola Jokic, and then we'll do a quick shout out to uh, Darrell Arthur, and then then we'll wrap up the show. So we will be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest, or a time is the shortest. That's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service change before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado. 
and that's Porter Laurie. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlaurie.format.com. That's P-O-R-T-E-R-L-O-R-I dot format dot com. Give him a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in. But I can't escape my Can't escape my skin. Into the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh. We're here with Jeremy Poley and Dan Lewis. We spent the first half of the show talking, um, taking some of your guys' questions, which was which was awesome. We did apologize for not being able to do it live. We will uh, we will try that again next week, and I think we'll have we should be able to be more successful. I'm pretty positive of that. I don't think this today's issues were a uh, were something more than a one off situation. Uh, we also spent some time talking about the NBA schedule just came out, just came out this past week. So, um, now I want to get into kind of something we've been doing here these past few weeks, which is we pick a player, uh, we kind of talk about what, what they, what we think they need to improve upon, um, where we think that they might be able to take the team if they can make that next jump, so on and so forth. We did, uh, we've done... Jamal Murray, uh, and we did Emmanuel Moutier. So, so kind of keeping with the theme with the young guys, I thought this time let's go for the let's go for the big one. Uh, Nicole Jokic, who is to me is still a very interesting player to look at because he's still so young, and I think at least for me, there's still this twinge of yeah, is it real? Not nearly as much as there was last year, but there's still this part of me that in the back of my head is like, is this really sustainable? The type of numbers he's putting up, the type of performances he's putting up. Um, because I just, you're so, you have to be, have a certain level of pessimism with when, when you're a Nuggets fan. You just, you don't ever want to get your hopes too much up. It's just been, we've been crushed too many times. Um, Jeremy, let me ask you this. I, Nicole is awesome. We all know this. But if you're looking at Nicola's game, um, where is it that he needs to focus on? Or what are you hoping he's been focusing on this offseason that, that he can improve to make him even better? Yeah, so going into the offseason, um, to me, it wasn't even about his game. It was about his his health, his conditioning, his strength, right. um, his weight. Um, and, I mean, he's been pretty radio silent this entire offseason, but from the little snippets that we've gotten, it, it seems like um, <laughs> seems like uh, he hasn't wanted to work out as much as I have wanted him to. <laughs> right. He looks um, he looks more or less in the same shape that he did when he when he was done with the season. Right. Right. So so I I'm gonna I'm gonna move away from that, and and maybe this is telling um, as far as what kind of player Jokic is. Um, that what I would like to see from him in improvement this next season, um, and this is specifically because Paul Millsap is there now in the paint, but. Um, um, I want to see a, a much more <laughs> ferocious transition, Jokic, and that is, um, you know, the majority of um, possessions end in the paint. Um, so now that he has some backup uh, as far as as protecting that, 
I'd love to be able to see him just rock it off the the second that that um, uh, a, there's a turnover, missed shot, something like that. Right now he's had to be an anchor, which means he's the last person moving up the floor. With with Millsap coming in, being able to do what he does, I, I would just love to be able to see this uh, initiative out of out of Jokic to be able to really get up there and push it. Um, I don't know who's been able to see. Um, Adams posts on uh, Jokic's passes, mm-hmm. but um, th- there's some great video there and some great looks at some really special stuff that he's been able to do in transition. And like, let's not beat around the bush. He's our point guard. Um, right, right. <laughs> he is our initiating our offense. So, so, so the the more that we would be able to develop into a team where where he is up there leading. Um, this is such a small thing. And it's just something that I see uh, a, a hole in that I'd love to see him fill. But um, it, it could be really interesting to see if if he was able to get that kind of fire behind him. Um, not necessarily George Carl's old transition ways, but we are kind of building around this whole you know principles over uh, strategies kind of thing. If he's just able right. to build that that fire behind him, I'd I'd love to see it. It would just be so scary. I'd hate to be another team against us when he is just flying the second that that ball's available right yeah and i think what you're what you're kind of getting at is, is the same thing kind of for me um which is which is why i don't i know some some people are making a big deal about the um about how it doesn't look you know yoga ha- we haven't seen like you know the 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 swole updates or something like that where he's um suddenly showing all these these shirtless pics of how much more buff he is <laughs> kind of the we get a lot of that out of julius randall this this summer um and, and and I'm actually kind of fine with it. Like I don't. It, the thing about Jokic that I think he needs physically more than anything is he needs to increase his endurance, which doesn't necessarily mean that he's got to be in amazing looking shape and is like totally ripped with six pack abs. Endurance is something that, that that's just more more so. You know, I mean, it doesn't show up so much physically, uh, just just when when looking at a person as it does when you watch them play. But because we saw that so much last year, I think when Jokic was at his worst was just when he was tired. You know, when he when he would make those stupid silly fouls and get into foul trouble, it was because he was he was he'd make a shot, he wouldn't take his time on offense, and he'd rush a shot, it would come up short, and then instead of trying to get the rebound or get back on defense, right, he would just foul a guy. Um, that all points to just being tired. So that, for me, is the number one thing um, that I think he has to improve. Dan, what about you? Are you kind of in the same same boat as me and Jeremy, though, that it, it's mostly more about conditioning and, and, and physical um, physical form than it is any sort of basketball skills or fundamentals, anything like that? No, I'm going to go a different direction on what I think he needs right. to add. This is good podcasting. This is good pasta. Right. <laughs> so... But regardless, you know, other than the good podcasting part, I I think the thing that he needs to add the most is uh, just defensive awareness. Um, because, like, yep. you know, he he's a big dude, and like we we can't expect him to turn into this like, you know, high flying rim protecting big man. But but right. one of his greatest strengths on offense is his court vision and his awareness of where players are and where the ball needs to go to find people open. Well, if he can take that same awareness and be like, okay, I need to, I need to move a half step closer to this guy so that if, if he gets the ball, I'll be there to contest his shot or I'll be able to, you know, to, to swap the ball away, you know, and if I right. step here, I'm going to be able to rotate. Like 
these are these are things that it takes years for NBA centers to learn just exactly where to position themselves so that they can use their size and their their frame to prevent people from scoring. Um, and I think if he can add that, then that will help him be so much better on defense. And he won't have to he won't have to work as hard on on the defense end because he's going to know exactly where to be positioning some himself. And it it's not something that we're going to be able to recognize immediately off the tape. You're just going to you'll be watching and you're like, oh wow, like Jokic is in a really good spot right, right. there, you know. And then like that'll start happening more and more. And I think if he can add that, um, the the conditioning obviously would help for him to be able to play more sure. minutes. But I think just his defensive awareness that. That can really help him, you know, be on the court for 35 minutes because he won't be in the foul trouble. And then I think that'll help him make the jump from, you know, star player on the Nuggets to like all-star caliber, all-star player on the East in the Eastern Conference <laughs> um, <laughs> caliber player. I, I, I think you sound a little short. I think Jokic is already like an all-star starter in the East nowadays. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 how bad it is but I, I like what you said there though because look the thing about Jokic is he's never going to be a athletic guy it's just this is not going to happen we we know that so he has to have better instincts better positioning um and awareness to be effective on defense it's the only way he's going to do it he can't make up for make up for though not having one of those things you know just with athletic athletic ability you think of it about a guy like uh um, you know, like a great former Nugget who comes to mind is Marcus Camby. Like he, he didn't necessarily, uh, and this is not to say that he wasn't, but Marcus Camby didn't necessarily have to be um, great in terms of defensive positioning because he was so long and he was athletic that he could just um, he could make up for it and still get there to to block shots. Something a guy like Jokic is not going to do that. So. I'm with you, man. He's definitely going to – that is – that it, to me it was between that and conditioning, right? Those are the two big things. He's got to improve his defensive um, abilities and he's got to become a better conditioning. And if he does those, I'm with you as well, Dan. I think he becomes – he takes this next step to be this next level star player uh, in the NBA. A type of guy you start to wonder, hey, is this a guy we can legitimately build around and, and chase finals, you know, and chase rings? That's that's what we're after. Um Jeremy, if he does that, if if Jokic makes that step to the to being an all star, a consistent all star player, how how does that change the outlook right now for the Nuggets? Do they? I mean, are they suddenly a team you're like, hey, can they? Are they up in that echelon right there with with maybe not the Warriors, but maybe with like the Rockets and the Spurs? Or are they still kind of that Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Clippers, whoever you want to put in that second tier? Well, you completely stole my answer. <laughs> He's yes. up there with the Rockets. Yeah. Um, I, I. So. Yeah. He 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 gets you to the place where. All of a sudden, it's the players around him who who, are the real answer to the equation. Right. Um, but, I mean, honestly, I. To me, he is a megastar. Like. If this season he'll be getting a full season starters minutes, it, it'll just prove it. But like, call me completely optimistic, starry-eyed, whatever. He, he's he's already there, and and the fact that he hasn't even been able to have a full season as a starter is even more ridiculous, and only helps to amplify that position that he's a megastar. Um, he, 
I, I, I even hate that term. I just he, he's to me clearly uh, one of without question one of the best players in uh, in the NBA. Um, right. In an extremely small conversation, and the only thing that next season has to do is is prove it further. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you, and I think that that's how he next takes the next step. Like I like I was kind of alluding to. Like there's still that part of me that's still like you know there's still like a bit of a sh- okay show me um, aspect I think left to this. But if he's a guy who's getting you know close to 35 minutes a game and he's putting up 20 points. Uh, eleven boards and, and four or five assists. Like if that that to me is then then I'll believe it. I'll say okay, this guy is this guy is the real deal. This is the guy who we should um, we should one hundred percent be be building around for championship. Because I want to I want to emphasize that it's not. I'm not trying to say that I don't think Nikola Jokic is a real deal. Or I don't think Nikola Jokic is really really good because I do. I just it's to me. There's only one question left, and it's: Is Nikola Jokic a guy who can be the best player on a championship team? Is he the guy you build around for the next ten years? Um, I really hope so, and I think we'll find out. I think we'll know by the end of the season. We'll know the answer to that question. Dan, what about you? Do you think that Jokic? Do you think a can he be that guy? And if he is, where where does he take the Nuggets? Uh, I think just because the West is so stacked, I think the highest that they could possibly get this season is the five seed. Um, yeah. Even if Jokic is just helps elevate the rest of the team to, you know, way above their their ceiling or their expected outcomes. You know, just helping them be way efficient, like you know, top five offense. Um, I, I think on defense they're probably going to be like twentieth, twenty first in the league. Um, yeah, but that's fair. Um, I think. I think if Jokic becomes just, you know, just a, a, an incredible player, I think their ceiling is the five seed. I don't see how they can be any better than the the Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, and I think the Thunder are going to be up there pretty high this year too. Yeah, yeah, that's fair too. Because you think about, it, man, the Thunder. It's like okay, so you know they 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 had the Warriors on the ropes. Granted, this is the the Warriors with Harrison Barnes instead of Kevin Durant, but the Thunder had <laughs> yeah. the Warriors on the ropes three games to one, and then of course Durant leaves, um, and the Warriors aren't nearly as good. But now they have Paul George, who kind of, I mean, he does a lot of the same stuff that Kevin Durant does. I wouldn't say he's as good as Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant um, is the second best player in the NBA right now, but. He replaces so much of what they lost with Durant. And now, granted, the Warriors now have him, so they're still incredibly tough to get by. But, man, I think the Thunder are a team that you, you absolutely have to expect to be you know, fighting for one of the, that, that second or third seed. Uh, they'll definitely be one of the teams. I think them, them, San Antonio, and Houston, along with the Warriors, are, those are your home, home court advantages in the first round. So, Can I completely disagree with you? Oh, all right. Let's hear it. Yes. <laughs> uh I think Westbrook, uh, as much as he is an extremely talented player, um, Kevin Durant had how many seasons of playing alongside him? Six or seven? I, mm-hmm. I'm asking honestly. I, I think I think it's around it's something there. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I can't remember when Westbrook came in the league. And we're Actually, talking I about. I can. I think it's. I think it's 2009 it, is when Westbrook. It was came seven years. Oh, okay. So, seven. Okay. Years. Okay. Seven. Um. So. And we're talking about the second best player. I, I don't think you're wrong when you say that in, in the league, and and that's what they were able to do together. Westbrook, um, yes, he won MVP. Yes, he had you know triple doubles, so many stats. He's not the kind of guy who I believe 
gets other players on his team who are good and they amplify each other. I think he's the exact yeah. opposite. And so I think Paul going there is is or is, I said Paul. Um Paul George. Okay, it's Paul George. It would, yeah. yeah, okay. It works. There it go. works. <laughs> um I, I don't think it's a um Westbrook plus um George equals, you know, I don't think that equation exists. I think you get much less out of um Paul George this year and I really don't see them combined to be this this great um, challenge the Warriors for a championship team. Um, I think hmm. that's the problem that you run when you when you just go with Westbrook. That's the player that he, that he is to me. So um, I'm I'm not so worried about that. That's interesting to me because I mean, uh, like uh, they did make a finals, you know, they, uh, together. And and the, granted, they got they got beat pretty soundly by Miami, but um, we did seem that there. And then, like I said, and then they were one game away from the finals um, just two years ago. So. I don't know. I, I would say I might I might disagree with you, but I, but I get what your point is is that that I and and I agreed to a point that that Westbrook even last year when he's dishing out all of those assists and stuff it it felt like a lot of sometimes it was more stat hunting than it was organically through the flow of the game um, and, and and getting getting teammates into their best positions. I tell you what, I mean, and and this is a bit understandable. Don't get me wrong, but when he was going for the record. Uh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't, wouldn't shoot at all. I mean, he was passing up good looks and, and giving it to teammates for bad looks just because he was. It was clear he was trying to get that tenth assist uh, to break Oscar Robertson's record. Which again, you're trying to break a, a historical record. I understand, mm-hmm. but I, but I'm with you on that, Jeremy. I, I don't. Westbrook isn't the type of guy who makes the players around him a ton better. I think he does make them better because he draws so much attention um, that other guys don't don't get nearly as much uh, from the defenders. But he's not a type of guy like Jokic who you put, you say, hey man, if you put this guy with Jokic on, on the court, he's going to instantly become a better player because Jokic is going to get him in the best spots um, to, to be effective. I, I get you with that still... I think Westbrook is, is just a, a generational type of talent, and I think because of that, with a guy like Paul George, I, th- I think they'll be they'll be tough. But but that's fair. It's okay. We're allowed to disagree here on the uh, here on the pod. <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. We we got we got just enough time here to uh, to throw in our last segment here, which is I just want to get in this one quick because um you know it's uh it's something I I thought that that shouldn't just go get go unnoticed, which is Darrell Arthur gets the NBA so or Player Associations. Teammate of the Year award um, for the Nuggets. Durrell, they gave out for the Nuggets, right? Yeah, exactly, right. Every every team gets gets one, right? So, which is which is, I guess you, you could you could ask who else would have been the candidates? Maybe a guy like Mike Miller or something like that, or who knows? But um, Durrell is an interesting guy for the Nuggets right now because he's caught up in these the the power forward uh, slog jumble that <laughs> yeah log whatever you want to call it. Um, and and I don't know how many minutes he'll get. He's he's seems like he he's going to be more of a locker room presence. Dan, how in your eyes, how important is it to have a guy like Da who who maybe isn't going to be on the court too much, but clearly is is a guy that everybody likes and and is a positive influence in the locker room. Um, I I think it's a huge thing um, because players, you know, there's just so many different personalities for the different kind of players you have. Especially for the Nuggets, you have international players and you have yep. domestic players. You guys that might be looking to get a bigger contract, on, you know, the next time they hit free agency, and they have young guys that are just trying to figure out how to play in the league. And Darrell Arthur, right. he's—I mean, he was on like I think he won a national championship at Kansas. 
So, like, he's been through that in college, and then mm-hmm. he's been playing in the league for a while. He's had a lot of different teammates, been with different teams, and he's been on good teams, and he's been on bad teams. And I think, you know, you, you, he has a stable family. He's, he just had a daughter this during the offseason, him and his That's wife. Right. Um, I I think that, it, you know, we saw how how well players on the team got along with guys like Mike Miller. I think it's just such a huge thing to have a guy like Terrell Arthur on the team that someone that the players can be friendly with and they know that they can go to that guy and they're going to get great advice. You know, the, the coaching staff doesn't have to worry about him and they can, the players can go to him with concerns and they know that they're not, he's not going to rat him out to the coaches, that he's going to, you know, be, keep their confidence. And he's, I don't think he's a guy that right now, especially, I mean, you know this probably more than, uh, I do, Zach. But uh, you know, having having a a child under one year old, where you're still counting months, <laughs> that's probably going to be pretty rough on his sleep schedule when he's at home. <laughs> um, so it is, and he's yes, it is. he's uh, he's recovering from a knee injury still, and so he he may not. Yep. He just may be grateful that he's still on the team, and he's getting pre- paid pretty handsomely to not play right now. Um, right. But I think that you know, just the being being a guy that can celebrate off the bench, the high five guy, towel waver. And then, you know, come into the locker room and talk with the guys and just be a, a solid vet. I think, uh, I mean, I, I do think he's getting a little, he's getting paid pretty well just to do that. But, uh, you know, money aside, I think having him on the team is just really valuable for the Nuggets. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I mean, he's, um, which is funny, when he signed it, everybody thought it was uh, it was actually a steal of a deal. I think he's getting like just over $7 million. Um, a year. The problem with it with Da, of course, uh, is is as you kind of alluded to the, the 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 knee issues that seem to just continue to linger, and you you start to wonder um, if it's just kind of a case where they, they're just his knees are just kind of starting to break down, and he's not ever uh, probably. I, and I think it, it, we're probably getting to that case. Um, obviously, I, I don't know, but um, it, it seems like we're getting to the case where where Da probably will never be a guy who can go out and get put up consistent 30 minutes a game anymore. Is, is oh, I, just I, I don't think he'll... I with If his knee doesn't get better, I think he went out to Germany to get some like Kobe Bryant treatment on it or something. But right. if that doesn't take, I don't think he'll ever be a rotation player again. Right, right. Which though is, I mean, even if he can only just do what he did kind of last year, which is every now and then, you know, if somebody gets hurt, you know, twists an ankle for a few games or... If you just maybe you're thinking, guy, some guys don't have it a night or something like that. You know, you can put him in and play him 15 minutes or something a game here or there, and he's still, you know, he he shot very well from three point last season. Um, he's a, still a f- good good pick and roll defender. Uh, you know, he he has some value on the court. You're not you're not you can't lean on him. And like you said, we don't know that he's really got the health anymore um, to be leaned on heavily. But in spot in spots. He can still be effective, and then you get all the other locker room um, stuff with him as well. Jeremy, what about you? Are you you kind of the same same feeling that the DA probably is not going to be a rotation player looking forward? Correct. Yeah. Um, man, it's just a log jam, and he he's got he's had me going both ways. You know, he he does have his effective ways. Um, that kind of like what I was saying about Will Barton. I feel like he's a guy that you know through and through. Um, like a, a one-trick pony, but he's great at it. Right. Um, so, you know, there's been times where he's been really helpful. And when we signed him, it made a lot of sense. Um, Zach, you pointed that out. That was the summer of Mozgov. That's, that's what right. I'm calling it. We all know what happened with the contracts. And 
and it was an exceptional deal to get for a guy who could do what he could do. Um, but then also, as Dan pointed out, at this point, to have that contract just sitting on the bench, um, and then like <laughs> I was laughing like the high five guy, the <laughs> like you know, Frank. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> but but it, but it's where you're at, and, and I totally totally get it. But and it's a lot of money to pay for a high five. Um, but that's where he's at. Like I hate to say it, but I. As much as he is a great presence, um, I don't think we're the Thuggets right now. I don't think we have too much to worry about right. there. I do want good role models, but if he proved that he was good for 15 minutes a game, um, he might be worth moving. Like another team might look at him as a guy who, hey, we can get a good 15, 20 minutes of good play out of this guy. And yes, his contract isn't too bad for a guy who's playing 15, 20 minutes. I hate to say right. that, but if we could turn him into some sort of even minimal value asset to throw in somewhere um, that that might be the the best case scenario here, right? You got to wonder with 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 DA if he would be able to pass a physical um, in a trade. You know that that I, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I'm just totally speculating, uh, and I don't like yeah. to speculate about injuries. But with him, it, I mean, it really is like because like Dan said, I mean, he's going to Germany for this somewhat somewhat experimental treatment. It's, I mean, you know, it's not too experimental. It's just USA laws don't allow it here to be performed here because they. They heat up the blood, which I guess is some sort of um, against some sort of law about modifying blood. Apparently, I, I don't know. I have I, I am not a medical expert uh, by any means. <laughs> I would trust you, right? right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but uh, but you know, so you just you just don't know. You don't know if like even if you could trade him because you don't even know if he could pass a physical, which is why it's so interesting. Because you're right. Even though it's only seven million dollars in, in in the summer of Mozgov. Uh, it was looked at as a steal. It's it's almost a bit of an overpay now, and you and you realize looking back then when they signed him, they probably kind of knew that the Nuggets, that is, probably kind of knew that hey, maybe the knees aren't going to be, uh, you know, they're not going to be what they were, and that's probably why they got him because I fully expected when when he that signed last season, I thought he was going to be around that twelve million dollar range, and when he came in at seven, it was like I said, everybody kind of looked at it, hey, well, that's a really good deal, um, in context of everything else that was going on. Now it's kind of funny just. Just a year later, it's it's not not quite the same story. They just didn't know that they were getting Lyles and Leiden either, and that's yeah. <laughs> that, and that's, uh, yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like how many stretch fours? <laughs> yeah. yeah, how many stretch fours do we need? Uh, uh, and Wancho. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it is what it is. But no, but but yeah. Shout out to Da. That is really awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I gotta say, every time um, every time I've had the opportunity to to talk with Da, he's always been. Uh, very cordial. He's he's uh, very very well mannered, um, and and always always gives you good um, good insightful answers to your questions. So we I'm happy he's on the team, um, even even if he's maybe not you know not going to be one of the bigger parts of the rotation. All right. Well, I'll tell you what that uh, that's about just one good hour right there. Maybe just a skosh longer. So I think we will um, we will wrap it up. So, like I said, uh, next week we will try again for the live thing. So you want to check us out. We'll probably try and do it on Saturdays, maybe right around one o'clock. Um, but I'll, I'll we'll, we'll put something out. Let you guys know. So make sure to look for that next week. Otherwise, Dan is at Minuteman Dan on Twitter. Jeremy, you are at at Jeremiah Poli. Uh, Jeremy Poli. Jeremy Poli, and no yep. underscores or anything, right? Nope. Nope. All right, at Jeremy. And what what is your Twitter follower uh, up to now? Like thirteen. 
13,000. <laughs> God. Respect. Been, been, dropping, been dropping some money on those We we Get You Followers sites, oh, huh? it's, oh, yeah. Friends with all of them. Financial friends with all of them. There you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, I am, of course, at Tech Mikosh, and then we are at Denver Stiffs. Check us out on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs, and then, of course, uh, like us on Facebook. Like I said, we're gonna be, we do a lot of live content over there. Uh, Jeremy is slaving away night in, night out um, to get stuff posted up there for you guys, so you never miss anything. And uh, you know, it's 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 just kind of cool to get to see some other stuff that you might see on Instagram or Facebook, but you wouldn't necessarily see on the actual site itself. So you get some unique content there. Which is always fun. All right. Well, we will uh, let me. We will sign off here, Dan and uh, Jeremy. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Cheers. All right, and we will talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill of other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill of other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon.